If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. That's Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow. You can watch the program live or on demand. And I should point out that listening or watching this program is, well, keeps you safe from a coronavirus spread at least so far as it pertains to things going out over the Facebook cam or or over the radio airwaves. Not to suggest that we have it, just to tell you that there's no fear to turn on that radio, to download the podcast, or to watch us on Facebook. And look, this is – I have to – I've been doing this uh, – let's see. I started as a podcaster back in – August, August of 2015, August of 2000, August 10th, actually. I remember that day. We went on a family vacation that spring. This is something I'd been thinking about for some time. I asked my wife, I said, what do you think about me doing a podcast? And she said, that's great. Go for it. So I started in our bedroom closet and... After some time, I guess practicing, I guess you could say that's uh, the first, the first year or so. That's what that's what I did was kind of just practice. You know, you learn. There's some things you just have to get used to. Number one, number one, talking for a certain amount of time, any amount of time, into a microphone, or as I was doing back in those days, <laughs> directly into the clothes in my. It was actually my wife's closet. That it, it's hard to continue a conversation or to have a conversation not having any sort of feedback. And of course, we all know this when you think about doing something like this, but that was an adjustment for me. I had to, to figure that out because I didn't get to see the person that I was speaking to. So there's no nodding or any expressions where people think, uh, you know, the uh huhs and the nods and the whatever. You just have to kind of learn to maybe envision that as you as you talk and so forth. So it was an adjustment, but after a year or so, we took that to took that program to the uh, local talk radio station here in here in Indianapolis, Indianapolis metro area back in October of 2016. Took that program there and 
they started, they, they agreed to put it on, but they put us on at 2 a.m. We started at 2 a.m. Now, I didn't do the program live. It was pre-recorded. But nonetheless, 2 a.m. was our time slot for about, I think, about nine months until July of 2017, which is when we moved to Morning Drive. And, of course, you know we recently expanded to two hours. And so that's where we've been ever since. And, of course, we have plans to grow and to and to uh, you know inc- uh, increase the reach of this program looking for for more stations of course we've expanded to that second hour just looking at new distribution channels and and so forth and so we literally started in a in a bedroom closet uh, about gee getting four and a half years ago about four and a half years ago now and i only point that out to say in that amount of time which on the one hand, again, depending upon which side, I've learned this, which, depending on which side um, of the equation you're on, which maybe sometimes which side of the microphone you're on, those four and a half years could be very quick, right? Some people say, wow, that's, that's quick. But for those that, uh, you know, growing something like this is, is challenging, not complaining, just kind of telling you. And something like coronavirus um, is, of course, a a challenge to any business right now. And so we're still kind of feeling our way through this as well Um, because the economy has taken a big pause in a lot of ways. Folks are trying to, I think folks are trying to pay attention to the realities. The the long-term effects of this are starting to sink in for people, especially after Trump's speech yesterday when he said that, or his, I guess, press conference yesterday where he said that the worst of this should be over by July or August. A lot of people, I think, initially were thinking, hey, we've got two, three, four weeks, maybe six weeks here, and we can just hunker down. You know, we can kind of mimic, I guess, in a sense, some of the things that have worked in other places around the world, which is this social distancing and so forth. Anyway. We'll get into all that, but I, I only point this the, the the trajectory here out to you because the, the the history of when we started because I don't believe there's been anything close to as challenging, difficult to stay on top of since I started doing this, and I think there's a lot of reasons for this. A lot of reasons for this, um, and a lot of reasons that it can be and is confusing. Number one, this is new. This is new. The the virus now, coronavirus has been around a while, but this particular strain, the novel coronavirus, COVID nineteen, is is new. The effects on people, we're still learning what those are. There's been some variables and curveballs that have been thrown at us along the way, and it's new. And so there's a genuine confusion amongst even medical professionals. Now they're learning more. They're studying the data. But you've got to sift through a lot of things because there's there's the newness factor. Then there's the, the reality that it started in China, and we've tracked down all the way down to almost the individual that was the first one. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting to that to that point. But at the beginning of this thing, China 
wasn't forthcoming, which should not shock us because that's what communist nations do. But the reality is that China China wasn't very forthcoming. They didn't share information. In fact, you know, I if you remember the original timeline, the original timeline for this thing was uh, stating that around the end of the year, beginning of this year, end of last year, beginning of this year, is when this whole thing took off. Now there's appears to be that's not necessarily the case. This may be going back even further than that. And so China wasn't <clears throat> forthcoming, and this thing is new. And medical professionals are studying the effects. Uh, they're studying who it impacts, how it impacts them, how contagious this thing really is. In fact, I think that those numbers have dropped. I, I think originally they had this thing at something like two two plus times more contagious than the flu. Actually, I think it was worse three three or times higher or something like this. But it's worked its way down, I believe, in the maybe slightly more or maybe even up to twice as uh, contagious as the flu, they think. But again, there's questions about that. There's, there's questions about how it affects people because now we're learning that a lot of people who have this apparently don't even know that they have the virus. And if that's the case... Um, and two things happen. Number one, that should make – I have to be careful how we say this because obviously there are people who are at high risk from being uh, you know, hospitalized from this, getting into critical condition. Um, and, and also the worst case scenario is that this, this kills people. And so there are certainly groups that this can have really, really high levels of – uh, damaging impact too, but then there's other groups, other people who don't even know that they have it. And so, when you start looking at the numbers, and I again, we're still learning; it's still new. But the numbers are still, the numbers are still that the vast majority of people do not contract this. And if they do, if they do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and give the benefit of the doubt to some of these folks in states like mine, which again I mentioned yesterday here in Indiana. Um, someone in our, I'd have to grab the name. I don't have it in front of me, but one of the state officials in, um, our healthcare department said that up to 70% of the people in Indiana, I'm sorry, not 70, 70,000, uh, 1%, forgive me for that. Do not erase that from your memory. Not 70%. Although I'm sure there's actual numbers of, of, uh, that come from some scientists that predict that 70% of Americans will ultimately get this thing. Right now they're telling us they think it's about it's about 1%. But again, they don't they don't know that. What they know are the people who tested positive and here in Indiana it's somewhere around 25 when I last checked uh, checked yesterday. 25 people. Um in just in this state. But our, you know, some state officials are saying more like 70,000 probably have it. So then you're left with the reality of, okay, well, people who have it apparently in large amounts don't know that they do or the symptoms are so mild that they don't even really think about testing that. So they're getting tested for it. Or maybe, again, with the confusion on some of the symptoms. You know, I've seen lists of symptoms, and then I've seen you know, people with, with this disease, with this virus that have recant or that have uh, recounted their story 
and their symptoms to us. And sometimes I've the symptoms that they tell me that they've had, just little things like whether or not you're supposed to have a runny nose. Some people say, no, that's not a symptom. Other people say, yes, it is a symptom. What type of cough, how much of a cough, dry cough, non-productive cough, upper respiratory, lower respiratory. There's just some confusion. And a lot of this, again, is because it's it's new. Now we're beginning to kind of get our hands a little bit around this in the sense of knowing uh, more and more about it each and every day. But this is uh, fed into the confusing uh, confusing element of this. And so there's other things that have led to this confusion as well, which I, I just want to point these out. I just want to point these out. And yes, we'll get into the political component of this as well, which, which makes it confusing also <clears throat> because everything everything in this world has become political. Now, I think we ought to be able to say that without saying that the, the coronavirus is not made up. No one ever said it was made up. People have always suggested it was blown out of proportion or that this was the latest thing to be afraid of, right? You can go back and there's always something that the media and the left wants you to be afraid of. And, you know, a lot of people um, fall prey to that. A lot of people say, you know what? They're always telling me what to be afraid of. I'm just going to live my life. And so in a, in a strange sense, and I got to take a break here, but in a strange sense, uh, by trying to stir up fear sometimes in the past, they've made themselves um, irrelevant to some people today, and some people are sh- simply not having any of this. They're not listening to this. They don't care what they say. They think this is another, just a flu bug, and they say, I'm going to live my life. And, you know, you can scream and jump up and down and tell me everything. The sky is falling, but that's what you do. So there's an element of that in there as well. So I want to break this stuff down, talk about why this is so confusing, look at the political elements, which of course we've got, well, happy St. Patrick's Day, by the way. We've got uh, primaries today, but not all of the primaries because a couple of those have been have been canceled, including even, yes, Ohio, who uh, the governor there has defied a court order uh, saying that he had to hold the election today. Now he's closed the polls. So there's all sorts of, again, confusion and uh, it's chaotic. And this is, to my point earlier, since I started this about four and a half years ago, I would say this is the most chaotic uh, time frame issue, confusing, difficult to stay on top of than anything else that we've had to date. And there's some reasons for that, which we'll get into a few more of those after the break. But I have to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back to the program, talking here about some of the reasons why this is so confusing. One, of course, is that this is a new a new version, a new variation, a new strain of coronavirus, specifically novel coronavirus, COVID-19. The other uh, – one of the other reasons that we talked about last segment is that China – um, is not very forthcoming, which is should not be surprising at all. There should be no shock here. This is who China is. This is uh, what regimes do. They they find 
anything that's damaging to their credibility or their ability, you know, their abilities to lead, anything that would look, uh, make them look, I don't know, incompetent or weak or, you know, just any of those sorts of things. They, they don't, they don't talk about them. In fact, you may have seen where there's a critic in China, a Chinese critic who's a billionaire, critic of the government who had disappeared mysteriously. This is how China uh, deals with, with problems, especially bad PR. But there's other reasons as well. One of the other reasons, I think, and this is one that fundamentally just kind of, I don't know, bothers me. The other the others bother me too, but this this bothers me in a kind of a personal way. I think the experts, the so-called experts, now this is not a blanket statement. This is just a general statement of, of experts, in particular healthcare experts as it pertains to this this particular coronavirus. They spend they spend their time, they they, they spend more effort trying to tell us what to do, which again is part of their job, right? They're trying to explain to us what's going on, how do we take care of ourselves, how do we prevent the spread of this thing, how do we uh, you know, keep our work environment safe and all these things, right? How do we keep grandma from getting it, all these sorts of uh, issues. But instead of spending the time telling us what to do, they would, I think, be so much more better off if they explained to us truly why to do it. Why that they now there's some that do a good job of this, right? And I I'm, I recognize that, but as a whole, as a whole, the expert mentality is I've been invited. I've been invited to this particular program. It is my job now, they would say in their minds, to sit upon high and tell the rest of you idiots what to do about something. And there's a degree of that in all of these, not all, in many of these folks. There's a degree of this where. People are spending their time trying to, I don't know, uh, create edicts and so forth. The great doctor has said this. And I'm look, of course they sh- – I mean I have nothing personal against what they know about medical science. But spend time trying to explain it, right? Spend time trying to explain why to people. I, I occasionally – well, I shouldn't say occasionally. I regularly go onto a website called Quora. You might have heard me mention this before. Quora, Q-U-O-R-A. Quora is a platform where you can ask a question, and the community of Quorans or whatever they call themselves will get on there and they'll answer. Sometimes you can even request an answer from someone. Maybe you followed them. Maybe you like some of the things they've had to say about other things or the way that they've answered questions and you want to hear their perspective, you can request that they answer the question. Now, I don't. I just go on here to, to learn. I don't go on here to answer any questions. Maybe at some point we'll do that. I don't know. But at the, for the time being, this is just where I go to see what people are asking and how some of these folks respond. And you can get some fascinating answers. There's some people on here that are brilliant in a lot of ways. And as I've shared before, you can learn, for example, my son loves aviation. I mean, loves it. The kid, I mean, he, he lives and breathes airplanes. And I mean, it's, it's remarkable what he knows about this stuff. But anyhow, you can go on here and you can find answers 
about you know how to land a 747. What's the most difficult airport to land in? Why do pilots do this? What's the you know why do airlines? Uh, why is this a procedure on an air, uh, airplane? All this sort of stuff. And there'll be people who you know pilots or other people who are professionals in aviation will answer these things. That's just an example. Now. You contrast that with a political question, and you're bound to get anything. In fact, you're oftentimes likely to get questions that are uh, written by people straight from the school of Karl Marx theology. But anyway, I see some of these these questions and, and the way that people answer them. And the, the amount of condescension that I see <laughs> that I see in some of these answers. I mean, it's it's truly remarkable. You now, sometimes people are asking loaded questions, and sometimes they're presuming that, uh, or insinuating, or maybe even outright suggesting there is no answer to this particular question. Right? They, they, it's rhetorical. It's trying the question is trying to make a point. So then, the person answering the question answers it in such a way to diminish or to assault the <laughs> the person asking the question, but. The point is, I just think that's that's not the way to go about this, right? I, I think that that's you don't you don't win any people over if you answer their question as though that they're either second class citizens, idiots, dopes, hayseed hicks, whatever the case may be. So instead of instead of kind of basking in the the, the glory of being the expert. And thinking, here I am to declare my edicts on on stage, on the microphone, on television, on Quora. Explain. Explain why to do this. I think that that would go a long way in, in helping people to understand instead of just just the whole thing with, with the, the bell curve thing, right? I mean, they keep saying flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Well, the average person two weeks ago wouldn't have had the, the slightest idea – what that meant, because we didn't, you know, see this. Uh, we don't live in that world, you know. If you're a roofer, or a electrician, or radio show host, you don't look at graphs like that on a day-to-day basis. I mean, maybe for different things. So this whole flatten the curve, it just takes some explanation. When when people explain it, I mean, it's it makes sense, right? Because you'll hear people say, hey, I've had this conversation with folks. Why don't we just, you know, get it, get this thing over with, um, and move on with life if we're all going to contract it anyway? Um, And then people say, well, if you do that, you're going to overrun the hospitals because there will be a percentage of people who have symptoms that are critical enough to put them in intensive care or needing needing hospital treatment a percentage of those will die and that's going to overwhelm the system so people say okay i I understand that now right but at first when you just come out and you just tell us to stay in our homes and lock ourselves in there it sounds a lot like some of the things we've heard the media telling us to be afraid of before and this is where a lot of conservatives or a lot of free thinkers have problems with the media because they spend so much time making these, I don't know, these claims, the latest thing to be afraid of. And you could go back and list these. Some people have. And when you look at the list, it's like, my goodness, it's it's nonstop, the things that we're supposed to be supposed to be afraid of. And so this comes along, and there's a tendency to say, here's the next thing. And I think that there still is that baked-in element. 
right? I mean, there's a certain degree as we move into the other problem of this, which is the media. You know, certain headlines do get people to click. Certain certain stories do get people to t- to tune in, right? And so there's a degree of that. I'm not saying it's it's manufactured. Don't misunderstand. But I'm saying, given a choice to present an article or to, to headline an article a certain way or two different ways, one being more responsible but less dramatic, the other getting people to you know wonder what the world does that mean? I need to click on that. I mean, a lot of times they opt for the latter, and so this spreads the hype a little bit. And so there's, there is some hype. Uh, there is some hype. I think we have to acknowledge that. It doesn't diminish the truth of this. But there are some, you know, some of these folks who say things as though it's a foregone conclusion where 70% of Americans are going to get this. And some of these predictions are just off the charts. There's, there's, it's nothing like what we've seen anywhere, right? It's not based on science. It's based on their models, that are scientifically uh, based, but the the assumptions, the numbers that they put in there have another – I mean th- those are factors that are uh, not necessarily correct assumptions. And so there's this fear component from the media. There's also a political component, which we'll talk about after the break, but I've got to take another time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Talking about coronavirus, talking about the, I guess, the roots of the confusing aspect of all of this. We've talked about it being a new strain. We've talked about China is where it started and how they are not a forthcoming uh, government, right? They've got a state-run media. That state-run media tells the people what the government wants them to know. They have a stranglehold on communication, on information there. <laughs> Sorry, it makes me think of uh, just, uh, you know, here, here are some of the left-wing media, some of the mainstream media chooses to be part of the Democratic PR apparatus, and there's some, some who refuse to do that, but there's not many. There, you have to be. You are one and the same. Anyhow, so... Also talked a little bit about the problem with the media and the desire of the media to, of course, get readers, get viewers, get listeners, whatever the case may be, whatever medium platform they're using. They're trying to increase that. And so sometimes they have a tendency to sensationalize things. And the other the other thing is not just that side of it. The other thing is the political component. I think a lot of people don't want to talk about this, and it's unfortunate that we we do. It really is because in a sane world, in a sane world, everybody would say, "Look, let's fix the stinking problem. Let's stop worrying about what sort of political points we can we can win here. Let's let's solve the problem. Let's solve the problem." But everything is political. I've said that before. You know this to be the case. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you drive. Uh, what you watch on TV, what you don't watch on TV, right? I mean, all oh, everything political, the words you use, heck, whether or not you're afraid of coronavirus. I saw, 
I saw a couple of weeks ago that Republicans were less likely to think that the world was ending over coronavirus than Democrats were. And it goes back to this whole thing of of media outlets. What you know, what is what are the people you're watching or listening to or reading? What are they saying on a day-to-day basis? And so obviously Obviously, there are people that are rooting for political loss for Trump on this. There's people that are rooting for a political win for Trump on this. And as tempting as though that might be, depending on uh, your, your ideology, I just think we should we should cheer for a victory for America and the world over this, right? And that that's the way that this should that this should be handled. But there are people who are cheering if Trump. Now, I don't want to go as far. No, well. There's always crazies that want bad things to happen to people, but most people aren't cheering for bad things to happen just on their own. But they are, when they look through this through a strictly political lens, they are cheering for political negatives for Trump, and they'll harp on those. In fact, yesterday I watched, uh, who was it, Mayor Andrew Cuomo, almost called him Mario, his father's uh, name almost called him Chris, tough guy Chris Cuomo, who wants to fight everybody on CNN, almost called him Chris. But Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, um, yesterday, and I might play a bit of that that press conference or yeah, press conference of his, and just the, the way that some of these, I don't know, Democratic mayors or governors or whoever come after Trump over this, and the way that they're trying to assign political blame here, it's just – I don't know. It's, it's premature. We have to fix the, the stinking problem, and we cannot ignore that everything is in fact political. But And I want to be careful. Not, I'm not suggesting that people are rooting for massive losses of life or something, but I also think that we're naive if we don't realize that some – in the media are cheering for something to blame Trump about, especially when you look at the world through that that political lens. And people are raising these questions, and they're asking, "Does that impact your the way that you're telling the story, the narrative? Does that does that uh, impact the way that you know that you're asking questions? Does that impact the way that you're you know what you're deciding to tell us and what you're deciding to withhold from us? Does that have any sort of bearing um, on on the way that you report. And I mean, for example, I mean, you look at some folks, they are, I, I go back to Bill Maher back in 2000 and just a couple of years ago, maybe 2018, when he said that he was rooting, cheering for a recession. It's the only way to stop Trump. And so I know that there are people, you can see it, that are happy, maybe not for the drop in the market or uh, warnings of a recession now, maybe some long-term, longer-term effects. It's not long-term because the market, the economy is strong. What's caused all this ruckus is the response and the reaction to to this particular, uh, to the coronavirus. But you can see people almost get a little bit giddy that there is a bad market now for Trump. Maybe they don't want to think about why. They just see end result bad market. Okay, that's something for us to to hammer Trump about. I've seen people that have said, no, Trump's out there bragging on the on the stock market. 
but yet it's come down, crashing down right recently. I see Dow futures are up when I last saw almost, I think, a thousand points. This thing has been all over the place, downward project, uh, downward trajectory, but bouncing back every couple of days in a really impressive manner to where you see some of the greatest gains and losses in history here in the past couple of weeks in the in the Dow. But some people cheer for, they root for the market to be bad. Some people root for some confusion, right? Because this, they can say that that's Trump's fault. He's not communicating about this correctly. Some people want to blame him for inaction, though if you go back to the beginning of when this started, Trump acted really quickly, much quicker than other administrations had acted in the past, but yet people want to make you think, make me think that he was inactive, that he was out there just playing golf, not giving a, you know, not having a care in the world, just playing playing golf and living it up, living the high life, as they want you to, to think. But the thing is, he's acted very quickly. In fact, banning travel to China very early, so early that it caused many Democrats to call him a xenophobe about this. Anyway, I had to take a time out. I want to shift gears and get a little bit more into some political aspects here, especially with primaries, primaries being canceled and that sort of thing. When we get back, you're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. By the way, be careful out there today. Listening to this program has been proved and documented by 98, 98% of scientists to actually cause you to lean to the right. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. For the next 40 days, actually, I guess 39 now, the next about six weeks, we're partnering with Shepherd Community here in Indianapolis. Shepherd Community Center on the near east side of Indianapolis helps meet the spiritual, physical, emotional, and academic needs of our neighbors here in the Indianapolis area. And they try to break the cycle of poverty in the near east side of Indianapolis. One child at a time. You can help. You can help. I know there's a lot of things vying for your attention right now, and there's some uncertainty, but you can help by donating $40 to support Shepherd Community. We are uh, we are giving uh, for new advertisers that come on during this uh, these next forty days. We're donating a portion of our proceeds from those uh, advertising sales to Shepherd Community. You can donate forty dollars to learn more. Visit uh, visit shepherdcommunity.org slash forty days. They do some really remarkable work. Very, very pleased with what I see in Shepherd uh, Shepherd Community there. Uh, their leader, Jay Height, uh, just top-notch guy, top-notch organization, doing some incredible things. You know, I think one of the perceived, perceived weaknesses of conservatism, I think one of the perceived weaknesses of conservatism is what do you do with people who do need help? And I say that's also found in the free market's from good conservative people, good Christian people like you. Check it out. See how you can help. Shepherdcommunity.org slash 40 days. I told you we'd be shifting gears a tad bit because there is there is still an election. There's still a primary process. 
at least in some some states. Some states have canceled canceled their primary. Others are moving forward with their primaries today. I want to make sure I get all the yeah, it's being postponed in four states because of coronavirus. Now, not all of these states were scheduled to begin today or to have their vote today, but the states that have postponed their primary, and this, by the way, has nothing to do with Trump. In fact, in fact, you can now say that coronavirus is interfering with our elections. I'm waiting for the media now to call this the Russian coronavirus because of that. But anyway, there's four states that are postponing their elections because of the coronavirus. Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, and Ohio. Um, Ohio's was supposed to be today. Arizona has theirs today. Florida has theirs today. Illinois has theirs today. And so, and then on the 24th, Georgia was supposed to have their primary, but they've in fact instead moved it to May 19th. So there's all sorts of consequence. Again, Trump had nothing to do with this. I'm waiting for some time in the debate during the general election where someone's going to accuse Trump, I'm sure, of trying to suppress voter turnout by canceling primaries. This has nothing to do with, with Trump. This has everything to do with the Democrat Party. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do this. I'm simply pointing out that this is in fact uh, now reached into politics directly, directly, at least in the states of, what were they, Il- uh, not Illinois, Illinois is today, uh, the states of Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, and Ohio. So um, I'm going to talk more about, we haven't talked about the, the, the contest in a while, right, this political contest, the primary between Bernie and Biden, between the establishment and the radical, radical, radical left. So we'll talk about that. We'll we'll probably get into that next hour. Um, look at a little bit more at the, at the campaign where things stand in the in the primary, and um, some of these again some of the the fallout between political fallout with this coronavirus. But going to take a quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. I don't know if you've seen this yet. I have Fox News playing in the background, and so they've got their their hosts and their guests separated, which, okay, I'm fine, but they've got, I, I don't know, it's just a little bit uh, like Steve Ducey just interviewed a guest that was on another floor of the, of the studio for social distancing, I, you know. I get it, I get it, I do. I just think, I mean, at some point, um, at some point, that's a little bit dramatic, I would think, on another floor when, I don't know, what's the recommended six feet or some such thing. Anyway, there's a lot of sift through here, a lot of sift through, uh, a lot to sift through politically as well. I'm going to have to get to that after the top of the hour, and two, including Biden telling us he's going to have a female vice president, uh, vice presidential running mate, which, of course, is not surprising. I mean, who else would Biden be sniffing hair, uh, the hair of? And getting awkward with uh, cuddly moments on the stage here as we move into the general election. But talk about that. Talk about the Democrat primary after 
the top of this hour. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Be safe. Take care of yourself. SDG. See you in a minute.